Uh, good morning. Welcome. We're glad to see you. Um, some of you might be new. Um, I'm Pastor Alan, and the lady that just preceded me is my wife, Deb. <laughs> and that's why she said she wasn't prejudiced, because our son is the guitar player, and our daughter-in-law is the singer, and her dad is the drummer. Anyway, but anyway, uh, it's not just a family ordeal. We'd love to have other people joining us, right? Praise team, if they have talents, uh, whatever it might be. All right, we're in a series. We take a topic and talk about it for multiple weeks. And this series uh, we started the year with is called Predecide Better Choices and Better Life. And today's topic is I am generous. I am generous. Another way to say this when am I going to stop? holding back? Or when will I stop holding back? Came across an amazing statistic. I don't know who figures these things up. But back in 07, back in the, in the ice age, uh, before uh, Netflix and all that kind of stuff, the average person was exposed to 5,000 ads, advertisements a day. I don't think it fit 5,000 a day. But anyway, that's the statistic they came up with. Now, fast forward to 2022. How many think you're exposed to now? It would be more, right? The statistics say 10,000. You and I are exposed to 10,000 ads a day. Now, what's the purpose of an ad? The purpose of an ad is to get you to do something, most likely to spend your money buying something, right? In fact, the reality is the more ads you see, the more miserable you are, right? Because there's more stuff that you would be nice to have that you don't have, or nice to have but you can't afford to have, or whatever it might be. The purpose of an ad is to do what? To make you think you need this to be happy. You need this to make your life better. And they do a good job. Uh, most ads you see more than once. It always amazes me when you show the same ad twice in a row. But they even do that sometimes. Because you can resist it the first time and maybe the second time. The third or fourth time, it gets kind of irresistible, doesn't it? The, le the, the uh, lesson that the advertiser are trying to sell us is this. It's more blessed to get, right? If I get this, I'm blessed. If I get this, I'm happy. If I get this, I am fulfilled. I get this, people who like me, whatever it might be, right? Now, Jesus comes along, and he it was always, or almost always, countercultural. So what do you think Jesus' message is? Well, we can read it. It's in Acts. Uh, Jesus himself said it is more blessed, literally means, and brings greater joy. That's what blessed means. Brings greater joy to give than receive. Now, most of us understand that. Most of us have experienced that, but most of us by nature are what? Selfish. And so we tend to act upon it's more blessed to get than we do, maybe even though we agree with it, it's more blessed to give than receive. So that's our topic for today. Quick review. We talked about decisions. Quality of decisions determine the quality of your life. Good decisions better life, bad decisions, not so good life. Now, the problem is we are not always good decision makers, right? If we were, this wouldn't be an issue. So we're calling this the power of pre-deciding. So I'm going to pre-decide 
in this, whatever area you want to take, uh, I'm going to pre-decide before the emotions and the pressure of the moment come along, and then I'm much more likely to make a better decision or a wiser decision than when it's pressured. And so we're using a fill-in. When faced with, whatever circumstance, week two, I think it was, we talked about temptation. When I'm faced with temptation, I've pre-decided I'm going to be ready. I know temptation's coming. I've lived long enough to know I'm going to be tempted in this area and that area. I know it's coming, so I'm going to be ready. Then we talked about being consistent. I know I'm not always consistent with my diet, exercise, whatever it might be. So I've predetermined when I start to slide, when I start not to be committed, that I've put in place whatever decision so I can make that decision. Last week, we, last, last week, we talked about being devoted. All right, so instead of getting up in the morning, oh, I'm going to spend time praying and reading my Bible today. Uh, I don't know. Uh, coming to church on Sunday. I pre-decided, I've pre-decided to be devoted to coming to church, spending time with God, being in a small group, being involved in a ministry. Now, we do this in lots of areas of our lives, don't we? Most of you have pre-decided you're going to go to work every day, that you're supposed to go to work. You've pre-decided to go to school. You've pre-decided to brush your teeth before you go to bed. So we're picking areas where we need to work on. So today's topic, and all of these are, have the caveat with God's help, right? I need God's help. Otherwise, temptation wouldn't be a problem, <laughs> whatever it might be. So with God's help, today's topic, I am generous. Not by nature generous. I haven't been generous, but I am trusting God with his help that I can be a generous person. So, why is this one of our predecisions? Why are we predeciding to be generous? I think most of us agree generous is a good thing, right? We're going to kind of see in one of the verses we're going to read the opposite. And most of us wouldn't want to be called that. Eventually, we're going to talk about uh, a 10%. Uh, there's a teaching out there that says, Give away your first 10%, save your second 10%, and live on 80%. And eventually, you want to increase that. that. My wife and I have been doing this for a long time, so our percentages of giving are more than 10%, and our percentage of saving is more than 10%. Uh, but that doesn't happen by accident, does it? So, why? Well, because no one accidentally becomes irrationally generous. Nobody does. Nobody just accidentally becomes generous. Again, because why? We are selfish by nature. Now, the first pushback we usually get is this. When I have more, I'll give more, right? So I'm giving as much as I can now. When I get more, I will give more. That's not generosity. Generosity, shown on your outline, isn't about what you have or don't have. That's not what it's about. It's all about in here. <laughs> it's all about the heart. And we've all seen this, haven't you? Especially if you've been to a third world country. How many people have been to a third world country? Anybody? A few people? Okay. Amazing thing is, we lived in Portugal, but it really wasn't a third world country. It was really a poor place, though. And the amazing thing is when you see somebody without much still giving. Came across the story of a pastor who went to a third world country and this lady served him a piece of meat and the translator said to him, you don't understand. She has saved for months because she knew you were coming. 
to buy you that piece of meat. Of course, American pastor, no big deal, right? So you've seen it. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've been the recipient of it. We have as missionaries in Portugal. Saw people a lot less than us give us stuff that we could much more afford than they could. Why? Because in their heart, they were generous. They were givers. Now, on your outline, we have to learn this, right? We have to learn to be generous. And we need to learn it now because we won't be generous later, all right? Oh, when I get more, I'll give more. No, 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 no. That's not generosity. We need to learn it now so we'll continue to be generous, generous later. Now, Jesus liked to tell stories, and he told great stories. And we're going to look at one of the stories he told us about someone that wasn't generous, okay? So it's in Luke chapter 12. And Jesus is speaking, he said, he said to them, beware, pay attention, be on your guard against every kind of, what's the opposite of generosity? Greed. Greed. Anybody here want to be called greedy? Anybody? Let me see. We all want to be called generous, right? So this guy, he said, uh, this group, he's talking to this group of people. He said, all right, this is a real danger for all of us, all of you, all of us. Life is not measured by how much you own. So how do we measure it? Okay, let's see. So here's the story. A rich man had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. That's the next verse. Meaning he was a successful farmer, which is great. Great to be successful at your, whatever you're employed at, right? So he said to himself, what, do I, what should I do, all right? In fact, I have too many crops actually fit in my barn. Now, we're going to find out he's going to do what he's always done. Remember he said, oh, if I have more, I'll, I'll give more? <laughs> he's going to do what he's always done. So what has he always done? Well, let's continue with the story. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones because whatever I've gotten, I'm going to keep. That's what I've always done. That's what I'm going to do. Then I'll have enough room to store enough for my wheat and other, other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friends, you have enough. Store it away for years to come. Now I can take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So it brings to mind for you and I, when you have, quote, unquote, surplus, when you get a pay raise, if you will, What's your mindset? Well, what was his? I'll just keep it more. I have more, I'm going to keep more for myself. All right, so what's, what's the conclusion of the story? But God said to him, right? You're a fool. Now, come on. Now, if I make more money and I save more, it doesn't sound like a foolish thing to do, does it? Not necessarily. In this case, he was going to die that very night. And somebody else is going to get everything you saved, right? You can't take it with you. Yes, a person is a fool. What? How are you a fool? If you store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. No, I don't think it's an either or. I think it can be both. But the priority is what? The rich relationship with God. So, obviously, for this guy and for some of us, 
More money doesn't make us more generous, does it? Got a pay raise? Oh. I might save more, but I'm not going to be any more generous. Most of us probably will spend more if we get a pay raise. So on your outline, money doesn't change who you are, more of it or less of it. It just reveals who you are. A little bit of money, you can be a generous person. A lot of money, you cannot be a generous person. So that's what generosity, I'm calling it a character quality. In fact, all these things are character qualities. So, on your outline, if you want to be generous when you have more, when you get a raise, whatever, learn to be generous when you have less. Now, again, most of us want to do this, right? We want to be generous people. So I want to give you two qualities of generous people. There's more, but we're just going to focus on two this morning. So if I am a generous person, I'm going to have to plan to be a generous person. Again, it doesn't happen by accident. Now, many people do what I call spontaneous giving. About probably most of you do this. Now, I'm going to say that's not generosity. My wife pushed back when she wrote this. My wife types for me. <laughs> so let me try and explain. Spontaneous giving is when you are pressured into giving, you are guilted into giving, you are inspired into giving. But on the other hand, if you hadn't been exposed to that you know, picture of a starving child or that person that was so inspiring to listen to, you wouldn't have gave it, given. So that isn't a quality of generosity. It had been coerced or forced. Think about it this way. Um, honesty is a character quality, right? Now, I can be an honest person and not say something that's honest. I could lie because none of us are perfect. But the flip side, can a person that's not honest actually tell the truth? Yeah, they do it all the time. So spontaneous giving is giving. It's not generosity. It's a good thing. I'm glad that people do it. Supply whatever need. It was, but it's not generosity. Did I explain it? <laughs> Got to please your wife, right? All right, Scripture. Generous people plan to do what is generous. Got to plan it. Now, I like the second part of this, this verse because it says, and stand firm in their generosity, which means I have a plan, all right? I have a plan. I'm going to set aside this first 10% or 15% to give away, all right? But then I have to actually do it, don't I? Stand firm in it. Okay, I've made a sentence to be generous. I'm going to look for opportunities to give, and then when it comes, I'm going to give it. This next uh, statement on the outline, I need to add a word probably. Generous people don't plan to consume, they plan to give. Most of us plan to consume. I mean, sometimes we consume without planning, but most of us plan to consume. We do research. There's nothing wrong with that, right? The problem is when we don't plan to give. Now, most of the time we call a spending plan or a budget, all right? If you're going to give the first 10%, you have to have that plan to do that. Has to be a, a mindset. It becomes a, a way of life, a habit, whatever you will. You know, we've done this for so long we didn't even think about it. Right? 
we do continue to try and increase those diapers. So here's the average American, or they say majority, more than half, all right? More than half Americans live paycheck to paycheck, spend more than they make. Now, you all are smarter than that. I know most of you, you, you don't do that. But the average American does this. Crazy, right? Spend more than you make. The government does it, but nobody else should be able to do it. So consequently, you lack margin. Um, if you didn't get a paycheck or, you, you, you know, for some reason something happens, and there's always emergencies. That's why Dave Ramsey calls it an emergency fund. You're always going to have an emergency. Something's going to happen to the car. Something's going to come up that you didn't expect. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck, what happens? No margin. So then it's disaster. I can tell you, with people that live this way, they constantly worry about money. How could you not, right? You think God wants us to constantly worry about money? I don't think so. So consequently, this is not just a money problem. Because when you start worrying about it all the time, it's a spiritual problem. Because God tells us not to worry. So how is that possible? In fact, uh, I'm going to read you a text that's pretty uh, in your face from the Old Testament. And um, Malachi. And Malachi is uh, reflecting on the, the Jewish culture. It's 400 years before Jesus. And so stuff is happening in, the, in Judaism in Jerusalem. And so he's the prophet addressing this. Now, he starts with some interesting questions. Should people cheat God? Should people rob God? If I asked you if you think you cheat or rob God, you'd all say, no, I don't cheat God. How would I do that? Well, that's what they would think. So you ask, what do you mean? Cheating God, robbing God. When do we ever cheat God? Well, you've cheated me in your tithes and offerings due to me. Now, we call this tithing. Tithing is a 10% thing in the Old Testament. And I get this pushback. Well, that's Old Testament. So I've got to think about it. Okay, uh, Ten Commandments, Old Testament. We got rid of the Ten Commandments? We're going to get rid of the Ten Commandments? No. <laughs> this... Uh, what do you call it, rule, law, whatever you want to call it, should be just dismissed because it's Old Testament. In fact, the New Testament requirement, we're going to look at that in a minute, is even more severe. So, he goes on, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. All right, here's the situation. The Levites, the one who took care of the temple, they're the one of the 12 tribes of Israel, but they're the only tribe that didn't have land, you know, Divided the land up into 11 parts, not 12. So how do they survive? Well, they survive by the offerings of the other 12, 11 tribes. Right? So what was happening in Malachi's time was they weren't bringing what they needed to. So consequently, the, the Levites and the priests didn't have enough to live on. In fact, they had to go out and work. We call it bivocational pastors nowadays. Okay, but if you do this, if you give your tithes and offerings, if you do this, the Lord of heaven's army says, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Now, again, a pushback here is, well, that pastor, that sounds like prosperity gospel. You know, if I give God 10%, he's going to give me, you know, 20%. He didn't say it was going to be money, did he? I'll pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. 
It doesn't say it's money. But God blesses generosity. And then this is fascinating. This is the only time you can find in Scripture where God says this. And we're talking about tithing. Malachi says it this way. Try it. Put me to the test. The only area in life that God says to test him. Isn't that fascinating? He says, I dare you. I double dare you. To put me first, put your 10% first, and live off the rest. In fact, what we teach is that it's all God, not the first 10%. It's all His. So if He wants me to give the first 10%, I give Him the first 10%. If He wants me to save 10%, I save some, whatever. And I know for some of you this is a new teaching, and that's fine. In fact, statistics again say that most people don't tithe. I mean, most Christians, people in church, don't tithe. But that doesn't make it not true, or what God would say. So a verse we've been using as the basis of this series is, is in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All right? Seek first God, what God wants. All the other things will be given to you. Again, here's the pushback. In order to do that, I have to arrange my whole life around priorities, around God. Exactly. And probably one of the easiest areas to see that we don't do this is with our money, right? Unfortunately. It's going to require real changes in the way we spend our finances, in the way we spend our time, in the way we spend our resources. Because we can be generous with our time, our talents, our resources. If I need to borrow a car, would you be generous and share with me? Or vice versa? All right, so here's the better equation. Give to God first rather than spend more than you make. God provides because He's promised to do that, and that God always keeps His promises. And that builds our faith, makes our faith grow, makes us stronger in our faith. Trust God more. Another way of saying this is when we give God our best, first and best, we trust and bless the rest. Take care of the rest. Not just financially, but all areas of life. Now, I told you about tithing seemed kind of Old Testament. It's in the New Testament too, but uh, New Testament giving, Corinthians. Paul addresses quite a bit. I'm going to take two verses. There's two chapters actually on this topic. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. My wife said that a few minutes ago. We all decide in our hearts or our minds. We think it over and we decide, right? We put this here, I'm going to put that there, whatever we do. And don't give. Now, here comes that spontaneous giving thing. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, all right? So don't, you know, I'm going to write a church check just because I talked about this today. If you want to, that's fine, but don't do it for that reason, right? Don't give reluctantly. Or in response to pressure. Why? God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, God loves us all, right? He even loves us when we sin. But there's a special way, evidently, that God loves us when we're cheerful givers. The flip side is, you and I struggle with this. The word that came to mind to me anyway is, we're kind of ungrateful people then, aren't we? 
I hate to admit I'm ungrateful. Now notice, one more verse. Notice what else he says. And God will generously provide all you need. God is generous. That's why we want to be generous. We want to be godlier like God. So God generously provides all you need. Again, if you haven't been to a third world country, you probably experienced it. We have way more than we need, don't we, folks? Way more than we need. You'll have all, always have everything you need, but why? And plenty left over to do what? Be generous. Share with others. Of course, God was the most generous, generous act of all was to give us Jesus, right? We're all turn our back on God. We're sinners. And God loved us so much, He said, I'm going to sacrifice my only son to give you the opportunity. There's no guarantee any of us were going to come to God, right? To give you the opportunity to renew your relationship with me, to remove that barrier of sin. Give us forgiveness. A generous God that would do that for us, would He withhold anything else? No. So again, what did Jesus say? It's more blessed or brings you greater joy to do what? Give and receive. So, plan to be generous. And the other side is this. I'm going to call it go above and beyond. Go above and beyond. Uh, Verse out of Proverbs, some people are always greedy, always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. That's kind of a test. How godly am I? Do I love to give or am I, and I used to be pretty um, stingy, right? You ask my wife, <laughs> not very generous. Uh, I'm a saver, which is a good thing, but I wasn't very generous. Oh, I always tie. That was, kind of learned that as a kid, teenager. But I wasn't very generous. Um, don't hold back. Opportunity to be generous, be generous. Tons of scripture example. I'm just going to hit two of them really quick. Jesus told a story about, a, we call it the Good Samaritan. As you probably remember the story, this guy got beat up and left the side of the road. And two religious guy, guys come back and kind of avoid him <laughs> and don't even help him. Then a Samaritan, which a Jew would consider a half-breed. They hated the Samaritan. Samaritan comes along and takes this guy to a, to a, a, a hotel, we would call it, and uh, pays for somebody to take care of him, right? Which is kind of a generous thing to do, right? But he didn't stop there. Let's read the conclusion of the story. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever else you spend, I'll repay. And when I come back, when I come back this way. So I'm paying for it now. I'm paying for it tomorrow. I'm paying for it as long as necessary. Above and beyond. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He was hated by his fellow Jews. And he has this amazing encounter with Jesus, right? And notice what happens to him. It's like this. His life is transformed. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Now, all his life, what had he been doing? Like the farmer, just collecting. Meets Jesus, becomes a generous person. I'm going to give half of it away. And then he says, if I've cheated people on the taxes, I'll give them back 
not what I cheated them, or not cheated with interest, or not double, four times as much. Uh, Jesus said different ways. Uh, uh, Roman law was it, a Roman soldier could come along and say, hey, I'm tired of carrying my pack. You've got to carry my pack for the next mile. And of course, you would grudgingly do it. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't grudgingly do it. Say, hey, uh, would you like me to carry the second mile? Gave another illustration. Guy need, asked you to, to borrow your coat. And rather doing that reluctantly or not doing, he said, um, would you like my shirt too? It's the basic teaching of Jesus. that You and I are to go above and beyond. And it's reflected on people that have encounters with Jesus. So, if you want to be generous when you have more, that's easy to think, yeah, when I get a raise or get a better job or whatever, I'll get more. Learn to be generous right now when you have less. I came across this one way to do this. I thought it was interesting. It's called get one, give one. So, I'll tell my wife. <laughs> She's shaking her head. Uh, we had a house with a walk-in closet. Some of you have walk-in closets. And then we built another house, and the walk-in closet is way bigger. Let me just say it that way. Now, the walk-in closet in the old house was always crammed full, right? What do you think about the closet in the new house? You think it's full? Yes, it's full. Now, the reason I say that is because three-quarters of the closet is hers. I mean, that's... It just did. So, what happens? You go to the store, you buy an outfit or a couple of outfits, and the only reason you clean out your closets is because you can't get any more in there, right? So let's get it under control, and then if I buy a new outfit, I get rid of an outfit or two. Buy a new pair of shoes, I get rid of a pair of shoes. If I buy a new tool, I get rid of an old tool. If I buy a new appliance, I get rid of the old, as long as they're you know, still working. Great, easy way to be generous. So, summing up, sum, summing up this way. Giving is what I do, but generous is who I am. It's my character quality. So I plan to be generous, and then I go above and beyond. Why? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Some of you know I, one of my Mentors in, in the ministry, or I call him an idol, is Charles Spurgeon. I came across this statement, it's just kind of haunted me uh, this week, in a, in a good way. To risk all with Jesus is to end all risk. How powerful is that? Trust it all to Jesus, I don't have to worry about a thing, because he'll take care of it all. What a challenge. So, during this week, I encourage you to do this. Pre-decide, obviously, to be generous, your character quality, but also stand firm in it, meaning what? Follow through with the plan. Because it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that, and then the emergency comes up, and we don't. I challenge you to do that. Let me pray with you. Oh, Father God, uh, you are so, so generous to us. And forgive us for not being as generous as we should be. And it's easy to get caught up in life, and there's so much nice stuff out there. 
God, we could be so much more generous. We don't need all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with good stuff. In fact, help us to see it all as yours. And sure, you want us to have a nice life too. But you also want us to be generous. And I think that's one way that we can, for a better word, change the world. And it's going to happen with all of us with our little bit of resources, not the billionaires that have a lot. So each of us, decide in our heart, in our minds, figure it out. I'm going to be generous, and this is how I'm going to do it. And then follow through. And I pray each of you has been a recipient of God's generous, most great, generous gift of salvation through Jesus. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted you've joined us. We would pray today would be the day. You would submit yourself to God, acknowledge that you're separated from Him, your sin is separated from Him, and that you are, today's going to be the day that changes. Accept God's gift of forgiveness and commit your life to Him. I pray that you do. Thank you for meeting this place, God. Thank you for speaking to us. Continue to change us. In Jesus' name, amen.